going to finish our series on spiritual gifts. Uh, This is going to be our final uh, message in this series. And so we're going to talk about the last two gifts and then kind of a couple odds and ends questions to wrap things up. Uh, If you've missed part of this series, some of this kind of builds on itself a little bit uh, on our website, elkinsalliance.com. You can go and catch up uh, on some of the uh, messages that you may have missed. So this all comes from the belief we have that we as a church exist to see every person involved in kingdom life. This is why we gather here today. This is why this building exists. This is why we as a church exist to see every person we come in contact with involved in kingdom life. Bowing a knee to the king, living a life in service to the king. It's what we're all called to, and honestly, it's the message of hope that we take to the world around us. There is a king, he is good, and he's offering you life and purpose in him. We also believe that we can't be fully involved in kingdom life without understanding and utilizing our gifts. If we're really going to be involved in kingdom life, we believe the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, has given us supernatural giftings, for use in service to each other and to advance the kingdom. Now here's the catch with this statement that maybe you've caught. I, this is the 10th time I've, I've made this statement. Maybe you've caught it. Who does this put the onus on to advance the kingdom? Is it on the church? No. Who's it on? Us. It's on each and every one of us to live kingdom life, to be involved ourselves and to help others be involved in kingdom life. See, Kim had said earlier, you know, when talking about the pretzel dipping of, oh man, I love that our church does that. And we kind of do this weird thing in in our American culture is we have this idea of the church over there. I might be a part of the church, like that's where I go to church, but the church does those things. And for a long, long time, the church's job is to get people saved, to make disciples, to whatever. And it's the church that does it. And we've kind of put the responsibility on the church. But who is the church? We are, right? I am not the church. Those that work for the church are not the church. We are the church. The responsibility for serving one another, for discipling one another, for building each other up, and for advancing the kingdom is not on the Alliance Church. It's on us. We are the Alliance Church, yes? If we are not living fully engaged in kingdom life, the church will not accomplish its mission. People will remain in darkness. We in the church will remain immature and not built up unless we as the church decide to jump in with both feet to utilize our spiritual gifts for the common good. We're going we're to touch on a passage here in a minute in 1 Corinthians, and we've looked at it a few times over this series. Where Paul says, now to each one, a manifestation of the Spirit, a spiritual gift, the Spirit making himself known through these supernatural gifts, is given for the common good. I wasn't given gifts for me. You weren't given gifts for you. We were given them for each other. Yeah? This sounds familiar, I hope, at this point in time. And if we're not using these gifts to benefit one another, the entire church suffers. 
our entire community suffers. We cannot be fully involved in kingdom life without understanding and utilizing our kingdom gifts. Chris, we're going to come back to that passage here in a minute. So this, the, the last gift that we're going to look at today, the gift of healings and miracles, I've had some people say, hey, it seems like we're missing some gifts. If you go online and, and pull down a spiritual gift survey, and you take this spiritual gift survey, you're probably going to find a couple gifts on there that we haven't touched on. Uh, first, let me touch on what those gifts are, and then I'll tell you why we haven't spent time on them. Uh, first, you might find the gift of hospitality. Those who are, are gifted to open their homes, people come in and feel welcome and all of that. Uh, they, you might find the gift of craftsmanship. Those who are working with their hands and everything. There's an Old Testament passage uh, that when, when Moses was building the tabernacle that God gifted some people to skillfully work the, the wood and the metals and all of this. And so some people say the gift of craftsmanship. Some people say the gift of worship. That one I push back against a little bit because when people say the gift of worship, what are they typically talking about? Music, right? Here's where I push back. This, again, is kind of an American culture thing. When we say, okay, we're going to get together and we're going to worship, what do we assume? We're going to sing, right? Singing is such a small piece of worship. Our entire lives are to be worship. Every time I use my gift to benefit someone else, that's worship. When I give of my, my finances, when I give generously, that's worship. When I serve in any way, that's worship. Honestly, check this out. This, will, this should blow our mind. See this? Worship. Why? Who made me able to do this? God. Half of you got it. That's good. Every time I use anything given to me in a way that it was meant to be used with thanksgiving, it's worship. So you may find on some of these gifts, the, the, the gift of worship, on some of these surveys, I didn't put that one on there specifically because I think it's too narrow. Really what they're saying is those who can play music really well. And here's the thing, there are some people, um, how many of you have ever seen let's, uh, Chris Tomlin in concert? Anyone? Here's the thing, let me tell you about Chris Tomlin. I hear his CDs and I'm like, ugh. Come on, man. Move along. Just boring. Not my style. Some of you love him, and I'm not trying to be offensive here. Not my style. In person, I'm in the front row just weeping. Like, there is something. The Holy Spirit moves through him when he leads people in song, and I'm just drawn in to a sense of worship. Like, there's some kind of gifting there. I wouldn't say, I wouldn't call it worship. The reason that I haven't included any of these is because as we've gone through, there may be some giftings there, like Holy Spirit-given giftings there. I really just stuck to the ones where Paul or Peter or one of the apostles listed it and said, here is a gift of the Holy Spirit. But I've said from the very beginning, I feel no need to put hard and fast lines on these. These two are separate and they, should, they don't really go together, or this is the definitive list, there's no extra ones. The Holy Spirit can do whatever the Holy Spirit wants to do. I'm simply just sticking to the ones where Paul has said, uh, like we're going to read here in a minute in 1 Corinthians, where he says some gifts are given, and then they kind of give a list of them. I've just stuck to those. So if we've missed one that maybe you've taken a survey and you've gone, hey, I think that's my gift, or maybe you know somebody and you go, I think that's their gift, wasn't because it's not a spiritual gift. I'm simply just sticking to the list that Scripture gives us. But I'm leaving it wide open for if the Holy Spirit wants to gift us in these different ways, praise the Lord, let's use them. 
Because the only way that I look at it and go, okay, so how do I know if this is a spiritual gift or not, is this. When God calls me to love someone, and, and, and there's this supernatural response that happens, that's a spiritual gift. Whether I know what to label it, whether it fits neatly into this definition or not, I am called to love, and the Holy Spirit is empowering me to love. And whatever that looks like, I'm going to praise God and do more of it. Does that make sense? Okay. So, again, if we've missed any of these, it's not because I'm down on them. It's not because they're not a real thing. I'm just sticking to the ones that are in uh, the scriptures for us. So, the final ones that we're going to look at today, and I'm lumping them together, the gifts of healing and miracles. So, 1 Corinthians 12, 7 to 11, alluded to it earlier. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. Still to another, interpretation of tongues. Whew. And all these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one just as He determines. Okay, so again, big list there, but going, when God wants to make Himself known, He gives manifestation. Manifestation simply means to be made known of His Spirit to us. Spiritual gifts. And it says here that sometimes it's miraculous powers, sometimes it's gifts of healing. So, We've been asking four questions of all of these gifts as we've been going through them. What are they? Why are they important? How do I know if I have them? And what do they look like if they're used without character or without maturity? Is, is there a dark side to them we need to be careful of? So first, what are the gifts of healing and miracles? Now, you may have noticed I keep saying gifts, and I'm not saying that because I'm talking about two gifts. Separately, there's the gifts of healing and the gifts of miracles. If you think they're two gifts, I kind of... I think they're the same gift, but again, not trying to draw hard and fast lines. But we use the term gifts because when we look at Scripture, these gifts are given at times and not at other times. You, you look at Paul. Paul is probably, outside of Jesus, the most documented miracle worker that we have. When you read through the book of Acts, when you read through Paul's epistles, you're seeing people healed, you're seeing miracles happen, but you're also not seeing it every time. It's not a gift that's given that we get to choose when to pull out and use. For instance, if someone's a teacher, you teach in any and every situation. I talked about this and said you almost can't stop teaching. It's a part of who you are, and it's coming out in every situation, whether it's in the church, whether it's on the golf course, whether it's at work, whether it's at home. It's in your back pocket to be pulled out and used whenever. The gifts of healing and miracles in Scripture don't work that way. It's not this gift given like where Paul was a healer and willy-nilly, anyone he decided to heal, they were healed. We find oftentimes where Paul would pray for people and they would be healed. Even to the point where in Acts chapter 19... It said that even handkerchiefs and aprons that Paul had touched were sent to people, and when they would touch them, they would receive healing. That's some craziness right there. To mail a tissue paper to someone, and when they touch it, they receive healing. Craziness. But then we also find in Philippians 2, where Paul had this, this guy who was traveling with him and working alongside him named Epaphrodites, 
And he had to leave him behind for seven months because he was sick and he couldn't make the journey. Paul couldn't heal him. Timothy had this stomach issue that was going on. Paul could have sent him a hanky and he could have been healed if it was just his gift that he could use whenever. But instead he tells Timothy, take a little wine for your stomach. I know your stomach's upset. Try this. Why didn't he just heal him, right? Because these gifts are situational gifts that the Lord gives for certain times. And there's times when the Lord says no. See, there's not a time when the Lord says, uh, you can't teach. My people will not learn. There's not a time when the Lord kind of turns off some other gifts. But with these, with healings and with miracles, the Lord says yes sometimes. The Lord says no sometimes. It's different in that way from some of our other gifts. The gifts of healing and miracles are God working miraculous power through His people to show His presence with, power over, and care for His creation. Let me slow that down. I heard somebody say one time, and I keep wanting to use it. Let me, let me back up the bus. i got to get some more people on board. The guy that did it actually made the bus noises, and I'm not going to do that, but it worked. It was good. The gifts of healing and miracles are God working miraculous powers through His people. He's not just throwing lightning bolts from heaven. He's giving the gift to His people to show His presence with power over and care for His creation. God wants us to know that He is with us. Again, manifestations of the Spirit. The Spirit made known. His presence made known with us. His power over the natural law that He created. And man, He can bend it. He can even break it if He wants to. If He wants the sun to stand still, the sun's going to stand still. If He wants the dead to be raised, they're going to be raised. If He wants cancer gone, it's going to be gone. And it also shows His care for His creation. God's not just doing all this because he wants to flex a little and show how strong he is, though that is there. He does it because we're his children and he loves us. So why are the gifts of healing and miracles important? These are demonstrations of those things. Demonstrations of his power with us. Demonstrations of his power over his creation. And demonstrations of his care for us. He wants it to be known. When you look in Scripture, what happens almost every time there's a miracle is people come flocking to Jesus. Jesus would go around, and whether it was bringing their sick to be healed or whatever, and then they're going, teach us. If, if this is the kind of God you are, we want that. Teach us. Show us what it is to follow you. When Paul would go around, he wouldn't just come in and give people good theology. In fact, there was times when he chose not to give just good, eloquent speeches that would draw people because he knew who would they be drawn to? Him, right? In 2 Corinthians, he talks to the church and he says, look, when I came, I actually chose not to come with wise and persuasive words, but I came with demonstrations of the Spirit's power. Because when the, when the miraculous gets put on display, when God decides to show up in that way, who really gets the spotlight put on them? God, right? Paul had this problem. In 1 Corinthians, he talked to people and he said, look, they were having this whole argument. I follow Paul. I follow Apollos. I follow this guy or that guy. And Paul, so humble, comes in and goes, who is Paul? Who is Apollos? Why are you following us? 
God is the one who did miracles among you. God is the one who showed up, who healed you, who loved you, who bought you back. He's the one being put on display. These gifts are important because God uses them to show his Father's heart to us. When I was going through uh, my ordination process, ordination, big word, basically it's how I got reverend in front of my name through the, the Christian Missionary Alliance. Part of the process, we had to read a lot of books, write a lot of papers, and we had to write papers on Jesus our Savior, Sanctifier, Healer, and Coming King. And when I got to Healer, I missed the boat. I wrote eight pages on how God has to heal us because it's in his nature. Because it's him like demonstrating his power and people will come to Jesus. And, and it was all this like, he can't not. Like it's just who he is. Not to say he can never say no, but just healing is just part of who he is. And it was this whole thing and I'm like, man, nailed it. Like you want to talk theological, nailed it. And the guy who grades the paper just sent back, didn't grade anything on it, but just wrote at the bottom and said, what about just because he loves us? And I was like, oh, never even thought of that. Simply because if I'm a father and my children are sick, I want them to know that I'm with them. I want them to know that I care. And at times, God even says, and I want to set them free from this sickness. And I want to heal them now. There's times that he doesn't. But in those times, he is still present with us. He still wants to demonstrate his presence, his love, his care for us. And there's times, praise God, when he works a miracle and he heals. So how do I know if I have the gift of healing or miracles? Now, here's the thing. Again, it's a situational thing. I don't believe that this is one of those gifts that you get and just keep in your back pocket. Some people, uh, if you watch... Certain television stations, you're going to see people that are healers. And they would say, I have this gift and I can heal anyone I choose. Bring them on up. Most of them have kind of been proven to be charlatans and oftentimes just flat out liars. This is a situational gift that God gives to his people. So how do we know if he's giving it to me in a certain situation? You ready for this one? Listen. There's a, a guy in our uh, district. He lives up in Stowe, Ohio. He's, oh, I think he's 92 at this point. He has seen some stuff. Uh, back in the 70s and 80s, uh, he was a part of a lot of revivals that were happening where people were coming to faith just in droves. Uh, when they would preach, there was power behind it. And part of their ministry was there was a lot of healings that would happen. They would kind of have, think of the old like tabernacle meetings and people coming out for week-long revival meetings kind of thing. And part of their thing was they would pray over people for healing. Sometimes the Lord said yes, sometimes the Lord said no. But this man was used in a lot of ways to heal people. And he's talked many times on it. Uh, over in Buchanan, probably seven, eight years ago, I know a small group of us went over and heard him speak. And we're going, yeah, how do we get to do miracles? That'd be super cool. I was immature and coming at it for the wrong reason. But he was going, look, here's, here's what it is. Somebody comes up and they say, um, I've had these back issues for years and years. And doctors don't know what's going on. Like They just said I have to live with it. But I believe Jesus can heal. Would you pray for me? And the first thing that he would do is he would come up and he'd lay a hand on him. And he would say, let's just listen for the Lord. And he'd say, Lord, do you want to heal right now? 
Revolutionary, right? Ask him. And then they would be still and they would listen. And if the Lord said yes, then they would pray with faith. Lord, we believe we've heard from you and we believe you want to heal. Do your work. And they would pray. And they would see healing. Or there would be times when the Lord would say, no, I'm not going to heal. But I want them to know that I'm with them. I am walking with them even to the very gates of death. I will be with them every step of the way. And that's what they need to know right now. And he wouldn't heal. But they wouldn't even pray for healing. They would pray for the Lord's comfort and the Lord's peace. But it all started from in those situations, not just running in going, if I pray with the right words or if I just believe hard enough, God has to do it, right? We're going, no, we're going to listen for the Lord. He's going to give us direction and we're going to pray accordingly. And they saw, I don't know how many miracles happen because they listened. And when the Lord gave the gifting, they prayed with faith and they saw miracles. When the Lord said no, they prayed for peace and comfort and that he would walk with that person. And those people went away so filled with peace. Even though the disease still remained, maybe the pain still remained, but they knew they weren't alone in it and God was glorified. Is this making sense? Okay. So miracles without character, miracles without maturity, kind of, can, can these gifts have a dark side to them? And the, the answer is yes. God can give these gifts to people who maybe aren't ready for them yet. But again, not because he gives me the gift for me, but he wants to get it to you. And he gives me that gift, even if I'm not ready for it yet. There can be a misunderstanding of where the power really comes from. If I heal someone, see, even in how we said it there, if I heal someone, I can get a pretty swole head. Oh, man. Did you see what I did? Yeah, I prayed for him. Healed. There can be a complete misunderstanding. The person who's healed can go, wow, Dr. Steve healed me. No, he didn't. God did. There can be this, this misplacing of credit. It is always the Lord working his miraculous power through his people for his glory because of his care and his power. We got to be real careful that we don't misplace things. I want people that are going to come and listen for the Lord's voice with me and pray accordingly. I, guys, here's the thing. I wholeheartedly believe if we will choose to do this, we will see miracles. I don't just say that because like, oh, it's in the Bible, so we should. Like, I believe it. When I pray for you, that is how I pray. Lord, how do you want me to pray for this person? And I wait. When he gives me an answer, I pray accordingly. I believe that if we will practice that, we will see miracles. God is not hiding. He's not ashamed. He's not like, oh, I don't know. What, what are they going to... He is waiting to pour out his Holy Spirit and his gifts on his people. If we will just listen. If we'll just link arms with him and walk with him, we will see the miraculous happen. Maybe it's through healings. Maybe it's through some of these other gifts that we've talked about. God is waiting to work through his people in supernatural ways. He promised it in that passage. And in many others, he's promised it. If we will be diligent to walk with him, we will see him move in supernatural ways. So a couple final thoughts on spiritual gifts as we bring this series to a close. 
uh, just some questions that maybe some people have asked me or have picked up at different places going, these are just kind of some common questions. Are spiritual gifts given once and for all? Like, uh, it, when you have a gift, do you have it for life? And another question that kind of goes with this is, does everyone get all their spiritual gifts, if they're going to get more than one, at salvation? You ready for this super theological answer? I don't know. He doesn't tell us. Nowhere in Scripture does it say we all get them right now. We, we, we pray the prayer of salvation and lightning strikes, and now I've got four gifts in my back pocket waiting to be used. It also doesn't say that doesn't happen. Does it say that once you have that gift, that's your gift for life? doesn't say. But again, the point isn't how do I get gifts? Paul says, look, even if you have all of these gifts, but you have not what? Love. You're nothing. The point isn't how do I get my hands on all these gifts? The point is how do I love those God has put in my path well? And then we trust that he's going to give us whatever gifts we need to do that. So do you get them all right away? I don't know. Do you keep them all once you got them? I don't know. But if I seek to love, I can trust that God will give me the gifts that I need to do it well. And here's the thing. Is any one of us going to have all the gifts? No. We need each other. We can't be the church unless we work together. Not just I need your gifts because I need them in my own life, though I do. The world around us needs to see the gifts of God and not one of us has all of them. We need to work together. We need to seek to love each other and those God has placed in our path well, trusting that he will give us the gifts we need. So another question. Uh, if these are the gifts that, that the Holy Spirit works through me, like, can I get better at them? Can I, can I work on gifts? Can I improve in, in my gifting? And the answer is yes. There's maturity that goes along. Not that God gives me the gift and I'm going to make it more powerful. No. God gives me the gift, a supernatural manifestation of His Spirit. The question is, it's only going to kind of be used to the level of my maturity. I can grow and mature in how to use that gifting, in when to use that gifting. And it will be used more powerfully in that way. But even that, who is doing the work at growing and maturing me? The Holy Spirit. It's His job to transform. It's His job to mature. But when we first get that gift, we've got a certain level of maturity. And I talked about this with teaching, for instance. I know it well. It's my gift, so it's kind of my go-to if I keep using it as an illustration. Sometimes I teach when I shouldn't. When people just need me to sit down and shut up, and I'm going, here's what they need to know, and I start teaching... As I grow and mature, I'm learning, you know what? There's times to leave that gift in my back pocket because what they really just need is presence. And, and I could blow the whole thing by talking too much. And as I mature, I learn to be more effective with that gift. Is this making sense? We are called co-laborers with Christ. Not that he just tells us, sit on the bench, I'll do it all through you. We're not automatons or robots. He works with us. He gives us the gift and he calls us to walk with him in it. And as we grow and mature and learn to listen to him on when to use it, when not to use it, how to use it, it becomes more powerful and more effective. But we have a part to play in that. 
We have to choose to walk in maturity. We have to choose to listen to his spirit on when to use them, when not to use them. We're co-laborers with him. He's partnered with us. And we can grow in those giftings. Why does it seem like some of the gifts are opposites? Uh, some have shared, like, we, when we talked about um, those with the gift of apostleship and those with the gift of shepherding. Shepherding is about, let's, let's get everybody together, let's make sure everyone's fed, let's make sure everyone has what they need. Apostles are about, let's go to the next place. we got to keep moving. There's always more people who haven't heard, who need to hear. And you look at it and you go, practically, it seems like these two are going to fight a lot. Why would God make some of these gifts that almost seem like opposites? And it's because we as a church are called to live in tension. We're not called to just lean all the way one way or lean all the way the other way. He's called us to live in tension. Is this a time to teach or isn't it? Is this a time to pray for healing or isn't this? Is this a time where we say, guys, we're as, we're as healthy as we're going to be right now. We've got to move forward. Or is this a time where we go, no, we need to stop and have a season of healing because we're no good to anyone if we just keep going to the next place. We're called to live in this tension because in the tension, we're dependent on him. What we want to do is just know which gift wins all the time because we'll just only listen to that one and just keep moving. And Jesus is going, no, I've given a lot of gifts that go in a lot of different directions and you need to continually come back to me and find out which one at which time. It keeps us dependent on him. We just want to get marching orders and just run off. We'll come back when we run out of ideas. And he's going, I want you to walk with me every single step of the way. So let me ask this question. What if I don't use my gifts? Some of you have maybe heard every message in this series. Maybe you even have an idea of what your gifts are. But you're asking the question, like, do I really want to? Because here's the thing. It costs to use your gifts. Because again, your gifts are not for you. They're for others, for the common good. And some of us, let's be honest, we kind of default to selfish. I say some of us, truly I mean all of us. We default to selfish. And if you're asking this morning, what if I don't use my gifts? What if I just keep them in my back pocket because I just kind of want to focus on me? We all lose. We lose because we are missing a vital part of the body. In and amongst all this talk about gifts, if you remember back to the very first week, Paul says, you're like a body with different parts that work in completely different ways but are dependent on each other. And some of you, if you're sitting on your hands going, I just don't want to. I don't want to put myself out there. I don't want to try and fail. I don't want to sacrifice. Whatever it might be, it's like us trying to live through life without a foot without a hand, without a nose, whatever it may be, we lose. We need you to use your gifts. And here's the truth. You need to use your gifts. You were created and designed to be a full participant in kingdom life. And you can't do that if you're withholding your gifts. If you're withholding service, you are slowly dying on the inside. You're refusing to live what you were created to live for. And whether you're aware of it or not, it is slowly killing you. You are becoming more selfish and self-focused as the days go on. And that will kill you spiritually. And I, here's the thing. I'm not necessarily going, because if you don't, you're going to hell. I don't mean that kind of kill you spiritually, though maybe. 
I mean you will slowly wither on the inside. You were created to live a life of purpose. And that purpose was not for your own benefit. And if you refuse that, you will wither. The final question that all of us need to ask, what's holding us back? What's holding us back? Why are we not serving one another? Let's be real, guys. If you read the New Testament, if you read the book of Acts, you don't look at that and go, boy, that perfectly describes our church. I don't think any church is saying that. What's holding us back from recklessly loving and serving one another? Is it selfishness? And look, that's kind of an ugly word, and I don't want you to feel like I'm pointing the finger at you and going, you're selfish. Ask yourself, is it selfishness? I just don't want to. I'd rather focus on my own comfort than serve, than love the way the Scripture calls me to. Is it priorities? You know what? I would love to, but I'm just, I'm so involved in so many other things. And here's the thing, hear me real quick. I'm not talking about involvement in church programs. Though, the reason we have church programs is because they're an avenue to use your gifts. But do we have a program created for every gift out there? No. Is it simply that I'm just so busy, my priorities are so kind of top-heavy, I just don't have any time to serve? Because if so, something's got to change. It takes sacrifice. Is it simply that, you know what, like I just don't even know what my gifts are? I've heard this and I can nod along, but like, I just don't know. If so, man, I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to walk with you and help you figure out what your gifts are. We said this all the way back in week one. You know how you figure them out? Trial and error. You start loving people. And sometimes you fall on your face and pretty quickly go, nope, that wasn't it. And other times, you, you love someone in a certain way and go, wow, that really seemed to have an impact on them. And it was kind of life-giving for me. I expected to come away like tired and, oh, that took time. But I came away going, when can we do that again? But the only way you figure it out is trial and error. If you're waiting to know exactly what your spiritual gifts are, and then you'll go use them, you will never know. We have to start loving one another. And we're going to trip and fall along the way. We're going to get it wrong. That's okay. It's the only way we grow. It's the only way we as a church build one another up, and it's the only way that we advance the kingdom into Elkins, into West Virginia, and beyond. Amen. Not using the gifts he gave us is not an option. Some people, I think, are uncomfortable with some of the spiritual gifts talks, with some of the kind of supernatural aspects to it or whatever. And I would just say keep wrestling. If you're uncomfortable with anything that we've talked about over the last 10 weeks, join the club. So am I. As I've been listening for the Lord and going, okay, what am I supposed to say about these? Or as I've been even presenting some of these, I go, oh man, that makes me so uncomfortable. And that's okay. I have to wrestle with it. It's not about me being comfortable. It's about depending on Him to do what only He can do through us. As we love one another and serve Him in our community. So by way of closing the service today, 
I'm going to pray over us, and then I'm going to ask you to stand, and we're going to sing through the doxology together, just a cappella. Because if you think about the lines, Chris, can you put the doxology up there? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. These gifts are a blessing that He wants to flow through us to one another. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above, you heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, you have called us to love one another. You have promised to pour out your gifts on us as we take those steps. And Lord, if we're honest, in every single one of us, there's something holding us back. Whether it's fear, whether it's comfort, whether it's selfishness, whether it's uh, guilt of all the other things we, quote, should be doing. I mean, whatever it is, Holy Spirit, would you speak clearly to our hearts? Whatever is holding us back, would you put your finger on it? We need clarity, God. Would you make it clear to us? And then, as the Apostle Paul prayed all the time, would you give us boldness to take steps? to take steps of love, to take steps of faith because we believe that your word is true. Because we believe that you have called us to love one another, God, in, in deep, meaningful, even at times supernatural ways. We need your Holy Spirit to lead us in this. God, we're going to trip, we're going to fall. Would you always lead us back to grace with one another? May we be gracious. May we continue to pour out love. God, I believe that if we do that, the community around us will take notice. They have never seen anything like that. We need you to lead us through your Holy Spirit. This is all about you, God. This is all about us being obedient to what you've called us, to using the gifts you've put in our hands in the way that you lead us to use them. Would you speak clearly to our hearts, I pray. In Jesus' name.